Did you know you can support your local independent bookstore and me in my efforts to promote books that feature women in aviation by shopping for your next aviatrix read on the Literary Aviatrix website? I built the website to serve as a central source to search and find books featuring women in aviation, and it was important to me to offer you the opportunity to buy from independent sellers. If the book you're interested in is available on bookshop.org, you'll find a link to purchase through my affiliate account on my website, which means I'll receive a small portion of the sale to support the content you love. Blue skies and happy reading. This is Liz Booker with the Literary Aviatrix Waypoint along our journey through stories featuring women in aviation. This one is from Season 1, Episode 19, in my interview with Amy Goodpaster Streeby, in which she does a reading from her book, Flying for Her Country. Let's see. Well, I think I'm going to start off with something that I read. I, I used to uh, go around to quite a few like air museums, and different museums around the country, um, giving my talk on my book. Obviously, it's been a few years since I've done that, but... One of one of the um, uh, little readings I do from the Wasp. It's always kind of an interesting one. That kind of just pinpoints the the uh, unusualness of of women flying in a military capacity in the United States. By the time the Wasp graduated and were sent to their respective air bases for duty, they quickly became accustomed to the dumbfounded and unbelieving reactions they received from male pilots and air personnel. As the following story, recounted by Wasp Carol Fillmore illustrates, many people were not even aware of the women pilots' existence. The women's presence in the air oftentimes took the men in the control tower completely by surprise. On her way to Newark to deliver a P-51 Mustang, Fillmore flew from Long Beach to Athens, Georgia, where she ran out of daylight. She tuned in the Athens tower and called for landing instructions, but no one answered. She called the tower again, but still no response. In minutes, she was directly over the field. She began to circle and ask for a radio check. Suddenly, an exasperated voice could be heard in her earphones. Will the woman who is calling please stay off the air? We're trying to bring in a P-51. Fillmore looked around in the growing dust for the other Mustang. Seeing none, she called in again for landing clearance. Will the lady who's trying to get in please stay off the air, shouted the tower. We are trying to make contact with the P-51. Fillmore was beginning to feel weary from her long day in the air and her patience was running out. Finally, she pressed the button on the stick activating her throat mic. For your information, the lady who is on the air is in the P-51, she said. And without waiting for an answer, turned on final approach and headed straight down the runway at 120 miles an hour. The radio suddenly came alive. Yeah, man, I hear you. I hear you. Did you see the light? You're coming in fine. Just great. Fillmore made a perfect landing. Ah, that was beautiful. The startled man in the tower called out. <laughs> so let's see. So there's two, two things I like to read from the Soviet side. Um, one of them is by Nadezhda Popova, who, um, who I mentioned earlier is probably one of the most well-known of the night witches. Um, she's featured quite a bit in my book. And there's also um, 
been, you know, a lot, she does a lot of interviews. She unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago, but she, you know, would be kind of like the spokeswoman um, of the night witches. And so this kind of talks about her, one of her first like times going up in the air and um, experiencing combat and kind of what that, what that feels like. The women flyers were anxious to test their training in action and no pilot could, could forget her first encounter with the enemy. Nadija Popova, assigned to the 588th Night Bomber Aviation Regiment, recalled her first combat mission near the Southern Front in the Ukraine. It was a very, very dark night. Not one small star could be seen. The sky was covered in cloud. It seemed that it was an abyss of darkness, pitch black. And when I got up in the air, I could see the front line marked by green, red, and white tracer lights, where skirmishes continued throughout the night. I followed the lights towards the accumulation of enemy troops. Suddenly, the plane in front of mine got caught in three and later five projector lights, which blind pilots. I watched them fall to the earth right in front of my eyes and saw the explosion of flames below. I flew towards the enemy line thinking I must help my friends. Irrational thoughts. I knew they were dead. We dropped the bombs on the dots of light below. They shot at us and I circled round and flew back towards the base. When I landed, I could see they already knew. I was ordered to fly another mission immediately. It was the best thing to keep me from thinking about it. Yeah, you might want to go home after those experiences, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? You just have to like, fly immediately after or else, you know, the more you think about it. Oh, yeah. The more you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like going home after the war, after those oh, experiences. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you think about it too. I mean, you know, and I think about a lot, a lot about World War II and, and the male pilots too, obviously, um, you know, it, it's, it's been so hard because nowadays we talk about PTSD and we talk about the traumas, even though it's still difficult, but, you know, nobody gets out of war scotch-free in terms of, you know, just, just, you know, having those experiences are, are so difficult emotionally and uh, not just physically, but emotionally. And so I think about the women too, it must've been difficult because, you know, they're experiencing things that most women typically don't. And yeah, they're not going to go home and have people who can relate to it. Right. Right. They're not going to have like a, you know, therapist there that are going to be able to talk to and, you know, kind of help sort things out. (laughs) So, um, and then another, another uh, reading I'd like to do is one about uh, Lydia um, Lily Litvak, who is, pretty famous. Um, she wasn't a night witch. She actually flew fighters. She was in the 586th regiment, but then also flew in a couple of the, of the male regiments as well. So this is just an experience that she had during the war that um, I always thought was very interesting. One of the best um, known Soviet woman pilots in the war who became famous for being a double ace was Lydia, nicknamed Lilia Litvak. A senior lieutenant, as well as a flight commander of the 73rd Guard, Stalingrad, Vienna Fighter Regiment, 6th Fighter Division, 8th Air Army. She also served in the 586, as well as two other fighter regiments. Born August 18, 1921, in Moscow, Lidvak learned to fly at a young age. It is fitting that her birthday falls on Air Fleet Day, the day Russia honors its air forces. Striking in appearance and small in stature, she made a powerful impression on everyone who came in contact with her. A lover of nature, she's said to have decorated the inside of her cockpit with wildflowers found near the airfield 
and legend has it that she painted a white lily on the fuselage of her aircraft. No one could have predicted this petite blonde pilot, she had to have the pedals of her plane adjusted so she could reach them, who liked to fashion colorful neck scarves out of parachutes, would prove to be such a deadly adversary in the skies. On September 13, 1942, Litvak would go down in history as the first woman in the world to shoot down an enemy aircraft. She downed two German fighters that day in an intense air battle over Stalingrad that involved a German ace named Erwin Meyer, who was a three-time recipient of the Iron Cross. He had scored his 11th victory three days earlier. Meyer was forced to bail out of his aircraft, and once captured on the ground, he asked to meet the Russian ace who had shot down his plane. When the 21-year-old Litvak stood before him, he stared in amazement. In disbelief, he demanded proof that she had indeed been the pilot he had fought with. After Litvak described in detail their dogfight, which had been her first, Meyer was forced to believe her account. According to an article by Vladimir Belaikov, when Meyer, when Meyer had accepted the bitter truth, he knelt down beside her and ceremoniously offered her his Swiss-made gold watch, a great luxury in Russia at that time. Litvak's response to the gesture was to say, I do not accept gifts from my enemies, after which she abruptly turned and walked away. For a pilot of her limited experience to achieve two kills in a single day, especially one involving a fighter race, was an amazing accomplishment.